Halo's Heaven Radio presents the ultra-comprehensive Halo's Heaven off-season radical roundup with your hosts, Josh Nahood and Rahul Seti. Hey everybody, welcome to the inaugural Halo's Heaven podcast. This is Josh Nahood of Halo's Heaven coming at you not live from Altadena, California. I'm here with vaunted HH writer extraordinaire Rahul Seti, aka Nightcrawler, aka Seti Wop. How's everyone doing today? Doing good. This isn't a live show, is it? Oh, you're talking to them, not me. Never mind. <laughs> nope, we're not live, but we are in our spirits coming through the podcasting airwaves to talk some Halos baseball with y'all, rhyming like I'm diamond, while all the other podcasts are sitting and looking, Rahul and I are out there jiving and cooking. Let's do some podcasting. Yeah! All right, the Angels had a busy offseason. Billy Epler is the GM. Rahul, you like him, I hear? Uh, it's, it's hard to go against anything he's done. Um, just- Why? Is he a that mean? High level of overall competence is uh is uh is shown. It has. It and, has. Um, Do you ever try to go against him and he like holds you down or is he, <laughs> does he know judo? Um thinking it's not it's not a judo, but it's more of like a tai chi sort of tai chi. meditative relaxed state. You know what? We're joking, but if Billy Epler did have any sort of martial arts experience or, you know, could kick your ass somehow, it would be with some crazy Tai Chi stuff where he would use your own momentum against you and also somehow make you fly across the room. Because that's why I never really got into Tai Chi. I took it at Orange Coast College and, uh, you know, go Pirates. <laughs> I didn't graduate there though, so never mind. But I took a Tai Chi class there, and it's more just about like laying on the ground with the lights off and a candle going. But in the movies, Tai Chi guys have long white beards, and they like don't even have to touch you, and you go flying through walls. Um, so yeah, Billy Epler's like that. We're gonna go over most of the moves that he did this on on season. Sorry, I'm learning how to talk here. It's a it's a inaugural podcast, so. We're, um, we're not working with a net here, folks. We could stop and edit this out, but we don't do that, do we, Rahul? No, we don't. We don't edit nothing. So I think the first uh, opening salvo of the Angels offseason went down on November 2nd, and that was when the Angels went in on a few more years with amazing outfielder extraordinaire, just like... Just like Rahul, my man here at the batting cages in the glove, Justin Upton. Give us your thoughts. Well, I definitely think that it was a smart move to re-sign Justin Upton, who um, who definitely performed um, at expectations, the uh, premier power slugger that he is. Um, and he's gotten more consistent over the past two years. And that's something that has manifested itself into... His numbers, um, his lineup protection, mm. and that's something that's going to be very important 
to the Angels, who are trying to deepen their lineup behind Mike Trout. There's one thing that fans complain about. It's protection for Mike Trout, right? Exactly. Uh, how did he do? Do we? I don't know off the top of my head, but what was, was Mike Trout? Do we see any noticeable effect from uh, after Justin Upton got in there? It's probably tough to look that up like while we're doing the podcast, but... I think it's definitely tough to ex- extrapolate that um, because we have obviously have a limited sample of data. We only have a oh, month. Yeah. Um, but what we do know is that Justin Upton hit very well. And that is an effect that's going to um, get more guys on base, going to get more guys knocked in, and more runs scored. And obviously that's going to help the offense, and that's going to help Mike Sosha and his managerial decision-making that's going to help Billy Epler in the construction of this ball club, the remainder of it, um, at least. And so that's a very important move over the next few years. And money-wise, we like that part of it too, right? I believe it was five years, 106 million. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's about, what, 21.2? Close enough. (laughs) Um, but yeah, he put up five wins last year, according to Fangraphs, and he obviously hasn't been the most consistent player overall, um, but his defensive metrics actually were pretty good last year. Um, and the fact that he has a good um, three-month weighted like um, WRC+, plus, mm-hmm. um, last year 137 WRC+, plus, um, he's projected for 113. His career is 121. Um, so that's you, you're definitely getting an above-average hitter over the life of this contract. Yeah, and he's probably about as good a compliment piece as you can imagine for Mike Trout and Cole Calhoun. I think uh, with Mike Trout alone, the Angels could always tout uh, having the best outfield in baseball. But now with Mike Trout and Justin Upton there, it's kind of ridiculous. Cole Calhoun is just like a little cherry on top. That's not a, a red-haired joke, guys, so don't give me any angry emails about that, all right? Um, let's see. The next big thing that Billy Epler did in the offseason, uh, I believe, would be the Jim Johnson signing. So Jim Johnson, he was going to be our, well, trade? I don't think. Trade? Or trade, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. The Jim Johnson trade. Uh, where does he fit in the bullpen? Because I think. Most of the talk we hear is around uh, is around Nate Parker being the de facto closer in 2018, or is that still in the air? Blake Parker. Blake Parker. <laughs> Blake Parker. Still getting the jitters out. Blake Parker. Parker Bridwell. I was thinking about Parker Bridwell in my mind the whole time I was like talking the last like three minutes, so I knew like some sort of mess up was coming. Well, There's- you know, you know, Parker Bl- Bridwell has closer mentality. Oh, he does. He always does. Have you seen his mound presence? Mm, I haven't. <laughs> I've, uh, well, my wife says he's got a good mound presence, but that's something else. <laughs> Anyways. No comments. Yeah. So Jim Johnson, where does he fit in in the Angels bullpen, do you think, this year? I think Jim Johnson is going to be sort of a Bud Norris role. And I know that fans don't like to hear anything mentioning Bud Norris. But well, he was better. He, he, he was, shut up a lot of people last year, for a while at least. He was better than most people think. And he's, yeah. Um, but 
Jim Johnson has extensive closer experience, um, which I know most people like it doesn't really matter, but at the same time, it's helpful if you know that he's done it before Mm -hmm. because as much as I hate to repeat cliches, not everyone is meant out to be a ninth inning pitcher. Yeah. Not everyone can do it. Mm-hmm. And Mike, Mike Sosha is a guy that likes closer mentality and he likes that. Uh, he likes roles as we always kind of joke about on Halo's heaven, but Mike Sosha seems like a guy that is going to appreciate that experience. You know, like you said, as much as it's something that's uh, ethereal, not really substantive to some, but Mike Sosha is a guy, he likes a uh, quote unquote veteran presence. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, he's going to get some usage, but yeah, the, the Blake Parker situation kind of muddies it up because he was the, the goat last year, right? which means guy on all the time, I think. What does it mean? Greatest of all time. Oh, greatest of all time. <laughs> yes. I knew that. I'm a millennial. How long were you repeating that and not knowing what it stands for? I was just joking. I was trying to come up with okay, a funnier good. G-O-A-T acronym <laughs> and the, like that I thought it was, and guy on all the time was just... Uh, I legitimately thought that you didn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, I do. I like to say he's GOAT as well, but I tweet a, um, I tweet GOAT a lot. Right. It's a joke that we like to do on Halo's Heaven. But and Blake Parker was close to GOATness for a while. And not everyone gets that joke. Yeah. Which is kind of sad. We're elitists. So if, if you don't get that joke, it is kind of sad. Like Rahul said, he just dissed you. But that's kind of his style. He's a very intimidating, uh, <laughs> mean person. And I think uh, I think Jim Johnson could end up being the closer that we see the most in 2018. Let's be honest. It's not going to surprise anyone at all if that happens. I think they're definitely going to go with a closer by committee. Um, as we saw last year, it worked pretty well. Um, what we're seeing now in Major League, that Major League teams are doing is they're just acquiring a bunch of really good talent and deploying them as the game goes on and, and not worrying about the role. And, yeah, that's... And um, just taking it inning by inning and, and seeing how those play out over time. And depending on that, you change your usage. Because you don't want your closer to only um, you play the ninth inning, because mm-hmm. then you're not you're not utilizing your resources effectively. Maybe sometimes you need three saves in a row, and then for the next four games you don't use them. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure that you can be able to spread out that usage. Um, so in that respect, um, Jim Johnson and his numbers actually are projected to improve. Nice. Well, I would say, yeah, he's, if he's going to be like Bud Norris, that's almost the, the um, that might be the thing that's kind of stinking in the back of readers' minds right now when you say Bud Norris. Uh, he got a lot of innings last year, did he not? I think he ended up pitching a bunch. And we liked him for a while while he was doing well. But then, uh, you know, as soon as his arm started getting tired at the end of the season, I think we saw him. There was a stretch where we – we were seeing a lot of Bud Norris, and there was one big home run he gave up, right? Like, uh, it was the game against Cleveland. Okay. Um, they were up ten to four mm. in the ninth inning. Brooks Pounder starts that inning. Um, I think he gave up like two runs or something, just mm-hmm. 
couldn't get it out, couldn't get an out to save his life. So Bud Norris comes in the game. Um, he, he can't find the strike zone. Mm. Walks a few guys, um, and then eventually, I think it was, if I remember correctly, it was Edwin Encarnacion, who goes ahead and hits a grand slam to yeah. walk off. Yeah, yep, you're and right. The Angels blow a ten four lead. I didn't remember it first, but like the poet Celine Dion said, it's all coming back to me now. That was a bad one. And I think that's when we turned on Bud Norris. But the Bud Norris before that was a perfectly fine reliever that we all loved dearly. And uh, Jim Johnson, you're saying, could be we could be getting some Bud Norris-style play out of Jim Johnson. You know what? Everyone hates Bud Norris, but think about this. Bud Norris... By ERA standards, Bud Norris was 1% better than the average pitcher last year. Boom. By, by FIP, Boom. fielding independent pitching, Boom. Bud Norris was 10% better than the average pitcher last year. Boom. So before you take a crap on Bud Norris, like think about that. Whoa. <laughs> um, no, think about, before you crap on him, think about how good he was. And uh, <laughs> I know Jim Johnson's ERA, 5.56 last year. Doesn't inspire any Ooh. amount of confidence, um, but if you look, take a, a deeper dive at the statistics, um, you find over one strikeout per inning, a respectable walk rate, uh, although you would like to see that 3.97 per nine be a little lower, um, and you see 61 appearances, 56 innings, um, 3.98 x FIP which is future projected FIP. Um, it's my favorite kind of FIP, by the way. <laughs> I don't know what yours is, but future projected, mm, give me some of that. Um, I believe. And then by uh, stat cast measures, Jim Johnson is actually projected to be slightly above average as a reliever next year. And surely um, when Billy Epler and his team um, went out and tried to acquire players, they're looking for a guy that has a really good pitch that is de deployed ineffectively. They're making sure um, they can use him, change his usage somehow. So maybe they want him to throw higher in the zone, lower in the zone, throw one pitch more, maybe less, um, and giving them more tools and analytics to be able to um, get the most out of their players. I dig it. So, but in the end, like Jim Johnson is going to be a useful reliever. Yeah, and everything you're saying, I think, points to that. And Justin Kelly was the bounty given up for him, which right? Who? Sorry, Justin Kelly, if you're listening to this, and I apologize preemptively to his parents if you're listening to this as well. But you're probably not because you probably like the Braves now, and not the Angels. I'm guessing. So, who? Justin Kelly, who? Who? Also, they got uh, crucial international bonus pool money. Crush. To lure Shohei Otani oh, to the Angels. Otani song, and yes. And really, like, Jim Johnson's a useful reliever, don't get me wrong. But the real headliner here is that they acquired more money to, to, um, to make an attempt at Shohei Otani. Very Because at that point... They had, um, I believe they had less than $300,000 in their bonus pool. Yeah, they had like 200000 or something like something that. Something like that. And they end up getting like a million from this trade in international bonus pool money. And then 
I think Pearson deal after that, like right? a week. Exactly. They, they deal, uh, Jacob Pearson, who was their third round pick in 2017. Um, they deal him to the twins and they end up getting 1 million there as well. Um, so two like, uh, very nondescript moves on the surface almost. Although Jim Johnson, he's a name that's going to, you know, there's going to be some headlines on that minuscule ones, but I do like what you're saying. The, uh, kind of the, the sneaky back end of those deals, especially the Jacob Pearson one. That was, which by the way, that was where I think our hype levels for Otani sweepstakes kind of got into like, are we getting way too real unrealistic here or what? Because with the Pearson deal um, following so closely on the heels of the Jim Johnson international bonus money, we thought, okay, this might go down, but wait, Otani to the angels. No way. And then it was uh, early December, I think the first weekend of December, December 3rd or 4th. 6th. 6th, December 6th. Pretty close. The Day of the Panther, part two. Billy Epler's next big, big splash. This ain't no Vernon Wells stuff right here, folks. He goes out and signs the most coveted free agent in all of baseball this winter. Am I overstating that? I think you're understating that. Damn me. I'm always doing that. That's how good he is, huh? You, you, you've watched a lot of them. I think uh, you were one of the people that were on Otani stuff earlier in the season, making comments here and there. Um, we had a lot of people that were mentioning him, and it's kind of unreal now that we we actually did it. I'm, you know, I'm kind of going through all the emotions now, like revisiting it in my head, you know, talking about it with you here. And I'm just kind of going to go into a little blissful coma for a little bit. Okay. Let's talk about Otani's stats for a little bit. Let's All talk right. about him. Let me, uh, let me pull up his baseball reference page. Yeah, pull it up. Mm. Otani. This is going to be some Otani porn, folks. So, Otani stat porn. If you're not ready, then uh, you need to get the kids out of the car or something. That's cool. Take a break. Put your juice box down for a second. This is a guy who is not only going to pitch for the Angels and be a frontline starter, but he's also going to be in the lineup as a designated hitter. Not going to be playing outfield. Don't even trip. Don't even trip. Don't trip, homie. Don't trip. Uh, we're going to see this guy throwing fireballs on the mound and hitting dingers from the plate. I'm stoked. Give me some Otani numbers. In 2016, Shohei Otani was 21 years old, mm. 7.2 years younger than the NPB average, which is NPB is the Japanese league, mm. right? Okay. In 104 games and 382 plate appearances, Shohei Otani hit 322 with a 416 on base percentage. Bam! And 22 home runs. <sighs> An OPS. Above one. Mm, Daddy-like. So uh, he definitely has um, a lot of potential on that side of the ball, but the pitching side is even more impressive. Mm. Um, in that same 2016 season, he went 10-4 and four with a 1.86 ERA, 140 innings pitched, mm. and... And 11.2 per nine strikeout rate. 
It's pretty ridiculous. That is ridiculous. And he was 21 years old. The crazy part about all this is that he is able to have all of this wipeout stuff, but also as impressive, perhaps even more impressive, is that he can command it all. His lifetime walk rate with NPB is 3.3 walks per nine. Mm. And most of that action came when he was like 19, 20, 21 years old. So just think about that. He's 23 years old now, and the Angels have him for the next six seasons. Loaded. Yeah, that one made, uh, that was insane. That was probably one of the craziest, if not the craziest day as an Angels fan I've ever experienced. I mean, the only other thing I could kind of compare to that was when, uh, you know, 2011, finding out that the Angels were going to get both Albert Pujols and C.J. Wilson that was pretty crazy. Shohei Otani was, you know, it makes that day look like, uh, you know, my step niece's 14th birthday, which, you know, I don't even have a step niece. So that's how meaningless <laughs> it is. I think a lot of people don't understand the implications of this move. Yeah, you don't understand. You hear that? This is like a generational type of yeah move that's happening. And... They don't understand. You're getting a guy that's, what, at like what? What's his floor? Do you think? Probably like the forty fifth floor, wherever the rich people live. I don't know. <laughs> I don't live in a build. Like I'm just like in tract housing. Fair, fair enough. Oh, um, the floor. But, oh, his floor. His floor is uh, wins wise. Oh, I think the floor is five. Six. We're talking about. Well, I'm talking about wins above replacement, maybe. But right. So yeah, yeah. Although I guess the, you know, the weird thing with him, and this is why it's also funny what they had to do with uh, the fantasy thing, is because I'm, I'm forgetting that I'm thinking of. I got to think about both. Uh, I mean, he could probably do one. He could probably do four or five wins above replacement from just playing one side of the one side of the sport. You know. Exactly. Yeah. So the ridiculous. So we're getting. I mean, so that means what? Double that? I don't know, man. This is crazy. <laughs> well, this guy... My brain's breaking. Everyone projects this guy to be elite as a pitcher, but a lot of scouts are, are split on his ability to make contact consistently at the big league level. Mm. Um, they definitely think that he has um, like plus raw power and game power as well. Um, so I think if he can make contact on a consistent basis... Then there's no, and if he can obviously stay healthy, there's mm. obviously no reason why he can't be one of the best players in baseball. Wow. And and we don't know whether he can make contact consistently yet because he hasn't had the reps too. So we'll we'll see what happens. But it's an exciting time. It's crazy, and you know I think the uh, the best part about it. This is why it makes. Uh, the day they signed Albert Pujols and C.J. Wilson look like my non-existent step-niece's 14th birthday is because that was just a matter of Jerry Depoto and Artie Marino doling out a bunch of money. Uh, money that was never, ever going to be offered from other clubs, but the Angels were crazy enough to do it to them at the time. And with Otani, it was 
matter of him liking the Angels and wanting to be part of our team, our club that we love so much and watch every night that they're on and follow religiously. And he went to, you know, he met with the fan or the, the franchise. He met with GM. He met with the ownership. Artie he, Moreno, he, John Carpino. He has Dennis Mike Trout cool, calling him on the Billy phone. Billy Epler, Mike Sosha. And he says, yeah, I want to be part of this stuff. That's why it's cool. Because he's getting league minimum, which is insane. Uh, well, he got a bonus, but you know he's going to be getting the league minimum correct for a few years, or somewhere around like seven hundred thousand dollars, I believe, per year. What's he making? I think the league minimum is five hundred forty-five thousand. Okay. This year, yeah. Okay, and he's gonna crazy. Be, he's making that, and he got like what a mil- like what was the max bonus he could get like two million or something? I think the max. I think the. The max that he could get in theory was like three point five, oh, okay, or something. But the Angels gave him three two point two point two, even better. Something he's getting something league like minimum, that. and he rejected more money, and he came to the Angels. I think to- definitely, Seattle had more money to offer. Oh yeah, Jerry DePost. Texas had more money to offer. They're screwed um, him. So it was it was gonna be close. Yeah, he made a smart uh, but, choice there. But ultimately. He signed with the Angels because he felt a, quote, true bond. Um, That's right. Which is pretty insane. Yeah, they really, uh, whatever presentation they did, um, it's just some of the more, it's just another example of the wizardry of Billy Epler. He went out and got the guy that every team wanted, and it was whittled down to, uh, you know, like a, short list of six teams or so six or seven teams and then the angels come out on top are you kidding me that was insane and it was still just the off season warming up because we were on december 6th and it was about six or seven days later uh, a week later or so when they get the second baseman they had another hole to fill second base who is it going to be there is a lot of uh a lot of talk of some other, what were some of the names we had in our minds for second base? Uh, Cesar Hernandez, D. Gordon, Ian Kinsler, um, Zach Cozart, if he was willing to move to second base, which we found out later that he was. Um, Josh Harrison from the Pirates. Uh, and there was one guy that you said a long time ago makes perfect sense for the Angels, almost makes too much sense, I think you said. Right. And that guy was who? That guy was Ian Kinsler. And that's who the Angels traded away uh, outfielding prospect Troy Montgomery. And uh, was there someone else involved with that? They traded him to the Tiger, Troy Montgomery to the Tigers in exchange for Ian Kinsler. And also, um, the Angels also gave up right hander Wilkel Hernandez. Ah, uh, um, yes. Who is a teenage um, starting pitching prospect. Okay, so they, well. get, they get their man at second base, which you said that. It was. It almost made too much sense for him not to do it. Right. Let's uh, go over go over what you're feeling back then because you brought that up. It was two or three months back and before this, you know, season ended, or maybe it was like around October. But you were high on the Angels picking up Ian Kinsler. I don't know yeah. if you're if you're a big Ian Kinsler fan in general, but you just saw something there. What'd you see? I think Ian Kinsler. Well, number one, Ian Kinsler is a incredible competitor. On the field, um, we've seen him play for the Rangers for I don't know eight years, something like that, something crazy like that. And 
Like every time he comes up and he makes the play, he gets to hit, you know? He had a bit of a, uh, we did see uh, some, uh, a little backsliding from him last year, but I do think uh, lots of people had reason believe reason to believe that is that we're going to see him bounce back up to his career averages. I think he dip just kind of out of a little bit of a slip up, but he had a down year. Yeah. Down year. Um, but it happens to the best of us folks. Don't blame Ian Kinsler. And also we got to love the guy. Now we hated him before. Cause he was always the, uh, he was the meanie on the other team that we didn't like because we're on this team and he's on the other team, but now he's on our team, so we're going to like him, okay, guys? Ian Kinsler is one of the most underrated players in baseball over the last five, ten years. Mm. How so? Ian what Kinsler has put up 46 war. Dang. Usually, like, the Hall of Fame threshold for induction is, what, 55 to 60 Something something like that, depending on your position, right? Ian Kinsler has 46 war. Over that five-year period? Uh, let me see. So that is pretty solid. You don't see a lot of people doing that take, but he did have, uh, you know, he is a veteran. He's about as gutsy of a veteran as it gets. Mike Sosha's got to love that, but what's he, um, where would you say his strong suit is? With, with the glove or with the bat? Over a five-year period, Ian Kinsler, see, this isn't going to be as impressive, <laughs> um, but over a five-year period, Ian Kinsler put up 28, uh, 22.8 war, right? That's, that's not, that's hey. good. That's really good, but yeah. that's not like elite, right? When you, when you consider it maybe four point something wins per year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The fact that Ian Kinsler was able to stave off um, regression for this long is incredible. Like Ian Kinsler is thirty. Ian Kinsler is thirty-five years old, and he is one season removed from a five-point-seven win season. Ooh. Like in in Ian Kinsler's age, thirty-two to thirty-four season, he put up. 5.2 wins, 4.1 wins, 5.7 wins. And the fact that he was on an expiring contract meant that, and the fact that the Tigers were rebuilding as well, um, that those two factors made it so that he was able to be uh, traded for a low cost. Right. And relative to that cost, he is he will definitely be worth it. Yeah, I think I'm, you know, you sold me. I was tough on the guy, but it was strictly a uh, perception thing as someone that was a, you know, or as a fan of a team that he faced off against very often. Uh, but yeah, you know, I remember you bringing up some of these points when the trade initially went down. And like a lot of our other readers, it was really easy to get over it once you do, you know, you kind of right. have that production point out to you. you. It's not something that really gets a lot of love from maybe even semi-casual fans to the casual fan. But uh, it's the uh, not superstar levels, but just very good levels of play, but very good levels of play for a long time. And you're saying that's like what we don't really see from any other Major League Baseball player that often, unless you're someone like Mike Trout. 
Let me read you these defensive run save totals from Kinsler. I like defensive run saved. Are you ready for this? Starting in 2009, mm-hmm. Ian Kinsler's fourth season, Ian Kinsler had 22 defensive runs saved. The year after, 8, 17, 1, 11, 20, 19, 12, and 6. A few, uh, few hiccups there, but otherwise, that's uh, steady as a rock. If you're if you're at like 10 defensive runs saved, you're among the elite at your position. Ian Kinsler eclipsed 10 defensive runs saved like six times. Another time was eight, so he was just a couple off there. Exactly. This guy is one of the best. This guy has been one of the best second basemen over the course of his career while he has played. And I don't think that fans really like Angels fans at least, I don't think they respect that. No, probably and not. I think defense is underappreciated, as we've seen with Andrelton Simmons mm-hmm. over the years. Very much so. Um, but this guy can play with the best of them, and he's available cheaply, he's available affordably, and the Tigers are rebuilding, they have no need for him, um, and he wants to win. He wanted to come to Anaheim, which is one of the reasons that the price was so low. Yeah. Because he he told his GM, uh, Al Avila, he didn't want to be traded to the Mets or um, other yeah, he prospective some... destinations. That's um, right. He did want to come to the Angels and play. I think, uh, again, like the Otani signing, I have utmost respect for that. And with all the you know things considered from his stat line that you're bringing up, you know, hey, Angels fans, we got to quash this beef with Ian Kinsler, all right? The dude is going to be a stud on the field. And just just go with Billy Epler. You know, listen to Rahul. Listen to my man Nightcrawler. You know, Ian Kins is for Rins. You know what I'm saying? All right. If you're thinking that he's good, though, and we all know Billy Epler likes his defense. I mean, Billy Epler likes defense like... Rahul likes beating up Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts, and which is a lot. And the Ian Kinsler <laughs> signing was indicative of that. But then what does he do two days later after Kinsler? He goes and gets another gold glove caliber defender to take over the third base spot in Zach Cozart. That's right. So Zach Cozart, Zach Cozart of the Reds, and he was a free agent. He was signed to a three-year deal. Three years, $38 million. Three years, $38 million. He's moving over from shortstop to third base, but it's no big deal because he's a defensive wizard. And does that, how does that infield, or that, you know, the uh, second base, shortstop, third base combo defensively, how, that's got to be one of the tops in Major League Baseball now, if not the top. Yeah, I think... Could be one of the best ever. Boom. I mean, you're talking about... He just said that! Andrelton Simmons might be the greatest defender of all time. Oh, for sure. I'm going to co-sign that. Like, if you look at, compare, like, Ozzie Smith and Andrelton Simmons, their defensive run save totals, it's ridiculous how much Andrelton Simmons is ahead. I know. Don't you think? Yeah, Ozzie Smith couldn't even hold one side of his jock strap. 
yeah, I said that. I got a friend named Tyson Carpenter who is a huge Cardinals fan and a huge Ozzie Smith fan, and he's going to fly from Kansas to punch me right in the nose for saying that about Ozzie Smith. I'm just joking, though. Ozzie Smith's awesome. The wizard, he's he rules. But I'm with you. Simba is... Simba blows our minds on a nightly basis. Right. And now he's he's flanked by two amazing defenders now, right? Ian Kinsler, one of the best defenders of his generation, right? Yes. And Zach Cozart is also an elite second like shortstop. He's renowned for his defensive prowess. Yeah, most people um, yeah, talk on that a little bit cuz I'm sure a lot, you know, Angels fans with him playing in the National League, they're probably not too familiar. Right. So, I think Zach Cozart, one of his biggest appeal is um his range and his glove um so that's something um to keep in mind and he also has a strong arm as well um i'm looking at his advanced fielding stats here and um he's got excellent range over his career and he doesn't make that many errors and he's got a strong arm um so it's as long as he can react quickly to the ball it's it's easy sailing right yeah, I think, uh, you know, for any of the fans out there who had uh, some weird fetish of liking balls thrown from third base that bounce a few times before getting there, you know, like, you know, Escobar style. I said that kind of like my family back in Kansas. Uh, you, you know, if you were really used to seeing, you know, Escobar airmail something over CJ Crone's head uh, and make the easiest of plays look like, you know, he was trying to juggle chainsaws while playing baseball, then you're going to not like Zach Cozart because he does not do that kind of stuff, from what you're telling me. He does not do any of those things. He's a guy that's, what, he's going to be able to go deep into the hole at third base and just, you know, somewhere like where he's almost in left field and throw out a guy at first. He's got that kind of cannon. Does he have a Simba-style cannon? I don't know. I haven't watched enough footage, um, but from these... From these numbers, he's got a great arm, and Keith Law actually said, Keith Law is the ESPN prospect guy. Um, Keith Law said once the trade was completed, he said, um, I expect Zach Cozart to be one of the best defensive third basemen in the league. Boom. So, so you know, and he's, he's, he's definitely going to be up there with, um, who's it, Arenado Machado. Some um, good defensive third baseman. Yeah, Arenado, Machado. Um, Justin Turner's not too bad. F- uh, Feliz Cumpliados. Um, well, that's not a guy. That's happy birthday. Feliz Cumpleanos. What's that? How do you say that? Feliz Cumpleanos. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, Arenado, Machado. Those are the ones that come off the tip of my tongue first and foremost but that then makes them have basically you know let's be we'll we'll lowball it a bit and say Simba's at least top three because some people out there are going to say oh uh, I like this other guy better uh, with like maybe the I don't know Francisco Lindor or something and I don't know you're tripping Andleton Simmons is the best and then now they're going to have Defensively, defensively, definitely. Like and now not, they're going to have the defensively not close. stud yeah. third baseman and a defensive stud second baseman. So good luck hitting the ball up the middle, other teams. And you know Albert Pujols is going to play more first base this year, but CJ Crone is 
definitely a good defender at first base. Yeah. Like when CJ Crone is playing, they might have one of the best defensive infields ever. Like I'd have to check the stats, obviously, but how often do you get a combination of players that are elite defensively? This, yeah, this, uh, this many guys in one team is pretty crazy because I don't know if uh, Cozart or Kinsler have ever racked up much gold glove hardware. I know they have the numbers for it, but I don't know their number of gold gloves when gold glove wins right in front of me. Let me look that up. Um, but they got to be at least dudes that are in the running every year for gold glove award at their position. You got Simba who's already winning them every year, basically foregone conclusion, Martin Maldonado, even if we're going to throw in the backstop, if we want to just look at the whole picture, gold glove, they got at least one gold glove in the outfield. Let's just look at the whole dang team. Uh, I don't know what the record is for most gold gloves ever in one season for a team, but the angels could probably give that record a run for its money. Zach Cozart has actually never won a gold glove. This is going to be the year. But at the same time, there's another guy named Andrelton Simmons. Yeah, he's in yeah, he's in a tough position to win it. So now, you know, whoever won third base gold glove this past year, which was uh, I believe it was you know Escobar. Uh no, that's gotta be that can't be right. What am I on? Oh I oh I want baseball reference. Sorry guys, I I thought I was on baseball reference. No, braceballreference.com. Hold on, let me change this here. Ian Kinsler won a gold glove 2016. Boom. It's pretty recently. Okay, so I do want to find out what team has the most gold glove awards in one season because the Angels are going to beat that. Let's see if you can find out right now. In the meantime, I'm going to tell a little story about uh, this one time when Artie Marino came to my place of work Actually, after I wrote this one article about him, uh, it was really weird. He was holding a, like one of those retractable telescopic batons that police use, really heavy, and, and he just flicked it out. And I was like, whoa, uh, did you find it? I did not. So he flicks it out. And this is, this is at my office in Brea, okay? And he's saying, come out, Mayhood. Get out here. And I got to tell you, I was scared a little bit. I uh, I was chatting to a friend on Facebook at the time, and I closed that window. And then I closed a couple other windows that I was on on my computer. I always like to have a few windows open. I don't know about you, but how many windows do you guys like to have open in your browser at one time? Send me uh, send me <laughs> send me your preferences uh, to halosheaven1 at gmail.com. How many windows do you like to have in your browser? But anyways, I'm just kidding. Artie Marino did not do this. If he's listening, don't think you can sue me because I'm just joking. This is satire. I'm saying it right now. And also for the NSA, if you're listening, no, just no. Okay. Let's look up uh, in between the... I don't think there is. I can't find it. Well, someone will tell us, I'm sure. Brooks Robinson won 13, 6th. Brooks Robinson won 19 gold gloves in a row. Whoa, 19? At, at third base. 
<laughs> That's crazy. 19 in a row? 16? Am I counting wrong? 16. From 1960 to 1975, Brooks Robinson won Gold Glove Awards. Wow. That's crazy. 15 years. That's pretty crazy. He was, and so no one's ever going to beat that at third base. Yeah. Anderson Simmons is going to, what he's got two in a row now, I think. It's crazy that there's been years that he didn't have a gold glove, but then again, there's been years where Mike Trout didn't win the MVP award, so stupid things do happen in baseball. I'm not surprised about awards voting anymore. Yeah. you I, know can't what those, be, I can't be surprised. Those people have their day in hell. You hear me, awards voters? And by hell, I mean Rahul said he's showing up on your doorstep at two in the morning after he's had three bottles of Yoo-Hoo and is looking for someone to fight. Orange juice. Orange juice, sorry. Don't punch. No! Gosh, dude. It's not cool. Ah! Shoo! Mm. Hurt. Okay. Let the record show that I'm on the other side of the table. Please He's got thank long you. arms. He's got long arms. So next on the Angels transactions list that we're going to hear, Billy Epler's busy offseason. Uh, I think uh, that kind of went quiet for a little bit, which is more in line with how other teams were operating this offseason. It's been almost uh, unintentionally hilarious how slow the offseason's been, uh, how little teams are doing except for the angels Rahul and I were talking about earlier how angels fans are stoked because Billy Epler gets all this cool stuff done in November and December. And then we just get to chill out and uh, relax and think about how good the team's going to look in 2018 while the rest of the league is, uh, or most of the rest of the league is sitting there having some squabbles with uh, between the players union and, and the MLB organization as a whole. Some drama going down, but not on the Angels' side for once. It feels good. Does it not? Do you feel good when you wake up because of the Angels? It feels good. Yeah, it does. I can't complain. I can't either. And it's almost sad how happy that the Angels make me, especially in comparison to everything else in my life. (sighs) It's nice because now the Angels are projected for, what, 87, 88, 89 wins, something like that. Yeah, I and, have them for about 114. And now all the other teams haven't moved an inch because they haven't signed anyone. Not an inch, boys. <laughs> so you open you open up the projections and you're like, yeah, this feels good. You're like, booyah. Oh, you know what? Uh, one thing that was dope, and that was and that was on the heels of those moves as well. Is December was an insane year, or December, December was an insane year. Seriously, I stand by that statement. That was a, a, you know, I misspoke there for a second, but it actually makes sense because there were enough cool moves in December to fill up the whole year. You had Otani, you had the Ian Kinsler and Zach Cozart pickups. You had Justin Upton. Justin Upton. Well, that was in November, but oh, I'm talking about just in okay. December. And then in December, on top of that, you had them go out and get uh, Kevin Maiton from the Braves. The Braves prospects, yes. Who was... Uh, it was just a short year, maybe two years ago, where he was the number one international prospect. People actually, when he was signed, there were comparisons to Miguel Cabrera. That's right. It's a big dude, big kid. Crazy to think that, but and because of some uh, some of that, 
some of that dirty business to quote the new writers of the purple sage song new writers of the purple sage i meant to say dirty business from the braves got a lot of their players thrown up in the air and the most the most highly sought after one was probably Maiton and that's who the Angels got. I think so, yeah. It was their first it was their first uh international signing that they've gotten to use a big chunk of money for or on. I think that happened the day before Otani was signed. I want to say something like that. Oh, the Maiton like when, when it was announced, yeah. Oh, Maiton. when it was announced, right. Okay. Yeah, so that was yeah. He had been, they had talked about it earlier. Because it was reported that the Angels had their meeting with Otani or something. That's, and then, like, shortly, either after or before that, um, it was announced that the Angels had agreed to sign Kevin Maiton. The official, the team announced it, right? You mean? Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, so we got, so that was right by, okay, so that was right before Otani. So that was probably, like, early December. And yeah, then the, yeah. on the 6th, you got Otani, and then the third, or the... Uh, I believe it was the 13th and 15th or the 12th and 14th, somewhere around there. You got Cozart you know, and Kinsler. We're mixing up the dates here, but it... It don't matter. But it's uh, it's December great, was it's a great long news year. either way. Could could be Christmas. Christmas came early and it came late and it came right on time. I just trademarked that. I'm making a hooded sweatshirt that says that next year. It's going to be a new hit. And uh, they also picked up a guy in the Rule 5 draft as well. Um, from Minnesota. Oh, that was a... Uh, they picked up uh, right-hander Luke Bard. Ooh, um, Luke who Bard. is kind of in the Blake Parker mold that they picked up last year. Um, over 13 strikeouts per nine innings. Yeah, he's got a decent walk rate. Um, and he's basically one of those guys where um, they're going out and they're looking for guys who can miss bats. And... Um, Bard definitely fits that bill. And when you look at what Epler's done over the past, uh, from 2016 to 2017, that offseason, he went out and got guys that can miss bats. Um, and you saw the relievers. Um, that reliever core last year was the fifth best in all of baseball mm. by FIP okay. um, or by Fangraph's War. Um, so so he fits, I think he, fits de- the... he definitely fits that mold. And if it works out, they get six years of him. So. The missing bats philosophy. Yeah, you know, I wasn't, uh, that one kind of flew under my radar at first, but with uh, people like you pointing out numbers such as those, I got to say, the dude gave me a bard on. Yeah, I'm going to settle down and let you guys quit laughing there. Let the laughter die down from that bard on joke. Okay, it's dying down. And then uh, the next month, they went out and they got a backup catcher for Martin Maldonado. They ended up getting like a carbon copy of him, sort of. That's right. So um, he's good. Def- he's a badass defensive catcher. Yes. Uh, they signed Rene Rivera, one year, $3 million. Um, he is, if you could imagine what Martin Maldonado is like and picture that in your head, mm-hmm. then make a clone of that. And that's Okay. Rene Rivera, in a nutshell. Okay. Um, I did it, and it's true. Excellent arm, um, good framer, and it's good framer. Great He's defensive good at player. I think a lot of a lot of Halo Seven was thinking about Alex Avila, and how 
he could part time at um, catcher and part time at first base. Yeah, uh, and part time at DH. Well, um, I don't think so. <laughs> Alex Avila, more like Bob Vila, from that home show. But it ended up. Uh, <laughs> it ended up working out when you see the Angels' priorities were at catcher. Um, and they wanted someone who can control the pitching staff and um, be a good game caller and uh, actually get some rest for Martin Maldonado, who was overworked into the ground last year. Right. That was, I think uh, I saw you tweet out something along those lines that uh, one of the under underrated aspects of the Rivera pickup was getting Maldonado some rest. Exactly. Okay, cool. And it, again, it's just a one-year deal, right? Exactly. For peanuts, the dude's getting peanuts. That's a figure of speech. He doesn't actually get peanuts. That would be messed up. You'd at least expect uh, cashews or something if you're going to get paid in any sort of nut. Walnuts. Walnuts, yeah. I mean, if you want to be one of those guys, I think if you like getting paid in walnuts, that's that's like Rangers fan stuff. That's like stuff the Rangers would do. Fair enough. They pay in walnuts and uh, chewing tobacco. What were any other moves? Too far. They didn't really do much. I <laughs> um, mean, there's a bunch of. Uh, well, the arbit—I mean, arbitration-wise, they, you know, there was the arbitration. They settled with Shoemaker, Crone, Maldonado, Ramirez, Bedrosian. Right. So um, the official moves, obviously, all the guys that had expiring contracts became free agents. Um, yes, that's right. No more Houston so Street. We haven't. Woo! We haven't yeah. talked about that. Um, Cliff Pennington, reading off the list here. C- Cliff Pennington, Yunel Escobar, Andrew Bailey, Bud Norris, Jesse Chavez, Yusmero, Yusmero Petit, I think, was a big loss, I think. That, yeah, he was a surprise, surprisingly good um, pitcher last year. Fernando Salas, Brandon Phillips, who they required in August. Um, I remember when we were excited about that. Good times. Um, I, rem- I remember. Ben Revere, Shane Robinson, Eric Young Jr., Eric and Jr. is coming back. Actually. That's true. He is going to, he signed a minor league yeah. deal. And then uh, Houston Street, Ricky Nolasco. Woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Houston Street's gone. Houston Street's gone. Dan, here, now. Houston Street's gone. Houston Street's gone. Dan, here, now. Dan. Houston Street's gone. It's a shame. He was, he was really good when he was healthy. Yeah, he was. Um, Never mind. I'm not going to say anything. But yeah, Houston Street is definitely I a baseball player. I don't know if he was ever fully healthy after maybe was it like twenty fifteen All Star break or something. I don't know. Something happened with his knee and it did. He fell off a sh- off a cliff. Definitely, you know, he fell off a cliff. And I'm not talking to Pennington. I think that would just be your entire legs then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, he really did. I don't. I forget what it was, but he. It's funny because he got taken off the DL. With like a week left in the season. I think a crazy quote was like, he said, I think it was like 20, 2017 in spring training, um, in an interview with Jeff Fletcher of the Orange County Register, he says, I'm, I'm only good when I'm like, I'm very good when I'm healthy or something like that. Mm. <laughs> and that quote has just, has just been, it's been very stuck with you. ironic. And unfortunate. Yeah, because um, we didn't really see him. We didn't really see him very healthy. I want to see this quote. What did he say? I'm good at baseball when I'm healthy. There it is. And 
wow, that's just. If you've ever heard Houston Street talk, then you got a picture in his voice too, because it makes him better. He talks, he talks really, really weird. He talks basically. I, I like to refer to him as the Keanu Reeves of baseball, but then you know Keanu Reeves is actually like way too cool to even be involved in that comparison. But he would say like, "I'm good at baseball when I'm healthy." That's probably how he said that. It's a crazy foreshadowing. Because he at only baseball. pitched four innings in 2017. Like, hey, you know, much luck to him. I don't. I think uh, like a lot of other players, he's without a team still. Unless I missed something. Did some poor sad sack team out there give him a deal? He better not have. I think he's still a free agent. Okay. Well, he's probably going to... Oh, I was going to talk a little trash there, but a lot of pre- there's a lot of players that are still free agents. It's right. kind of a wacky offseason. It's but- weird. Now you're... Like last year, at this around this time, the Angels signed Bud Norris. They signed Yusmero Petit, right? Yeah. And, um, uh, oh, uh, it's well, crazy that's when they're doing now, like the Brooks Pounders signing, right, I think. Because now these guys are all that's left and they're looking for some sort of a deal. And, uh, fast forward to this year and you've got JD Martinez seeking $150 million and Eric Hosmer and Jake Arrieta and Hugh Darvish. And mm, yeah. Big Mike names. Moustakis on and it's crazy. It is crazy. It's uh, but like I said, we don't have to worry about that stuff because our GM is extremely competent and destroys all other GMs, and he has the Angels looking stacked. On top of kicking ass with the uh, the major league roster, they also bolstered up. They've also bolstered up the farm system in recent years. Then we saw Keith Law and other uh, publications. Mm-hmm. Release their top organizational lists and uh, top 100 prospects and Angels. Baseball America and MLB Pipeline and, and Taylor Blake Ward of Scout.com and, boom, and others. Boom. Fangraphs. Keith Law know. for ESPN and Angels are shooting up all the list. And we've also got some guys in the top 100. So things are good. Say, hey, Halo Sphere, I know you're kind of sad, but don't be sad because, you know, we're going to win lots of games this year. You know what I'm saying? It's my time where I want to work out. Uh, Mike Sosa impression, by the way. I just decided I want to do it right now. Yeah, so uh, I think we're uh, pretty good. Uh, I think we, you know, Chewy's got to go out there and uh, do some stuff. Uh, you know, I don't know. I think uh, Raul's got pretty good podcasting game. Yeah, I'll work on it. We got some reader questions that we can do real quick from Twitter if you want. We kind of went over all of Billy Epler's busy off season. I think we did most of them, right? Yeah, I think we I think we covered the shit out of that. <laughs> so let's see. I put out the call on Twitter and so did Rahul. You can follow Halos Heaven at, at halosheaven.com. And Rahul is, are you at Rahul Seti? At Rahul Seti underscore. Underscore. That's R-A-H-U-L-S-E-T-T-Y underscore. Just type in. R-A-H-U-L. And it'll probably pop up there. Um, yeah, and also type in uh, five five three seven eight zero zero eight on your calculator, and then turn it upside down. Is that, um, is that your phone number? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Let's see. Let's see some questions on Twitter. One says, according to Cots, this is a. Uh, by the way, this is 
Roscoe P. Coltrane. Gu, gu, gu. Um, Roscoe 94. That's him. Right. You know him? No. Okay. I'm just repeating the username. Oh, okay. That's good. That's, thank you. Um, yeah. Roscoe at Roscoe 94. Roscoe P. Coltrane. Gu, gu. He says, Cots, or according to Cots, LA Angels have roughly 25 million till they hit the threshold. Why not sign someone like Holland to help solidify the bullpen? Um, I don't know. I think because, well, which Holland are we talking about? I guess is. I would assume Greg Holland. Okay, the good Holland. I like I like Derek Holland better, but someone already grabbed him, right? Or he's on another team already. So I don't know that Derek Holland is good. Or no, okay. So maybe I am. Maybe Greg Holland is the good one. Yeah. Yeah. I get him confused. I've done this on the site too. And I've also had it where I've talked about Greg Holland and people think I'm talking about Derek Holland. Derek Holland's the guy on the Rangers. Right. Okay. Yeah. Not him. Greg Holland was last on what the Rockies or. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He's the good one. But uh, I don't know. Do we even, is Cots, that's pretty up to date. So that figure is probably correct. First of all. Uh, I think the angels, once you add in, like about $15 million in incentives, um, like player player incentives, according to like the CBA. Um, the Angels are probably around 178 mm-hmm. um, according to their AAV, which is average annual value, Okay. Um, according to Jeff Fletcher's spreadsheet. Fletch, according um, to the Fletch spread. Which uh, I think that's pretty accurate, uh, all the figures. Okay, so why don't they get why don't so, they get someone so, like Greg Holland? So they're about bullpen. that would make them like twenty million away, right? Yeah. Well, obviously, money figures aside, um, what they're actually paying out to their players um, is about I want to say like in the mid one eighty million. Oh, okay. Um, because. Average annual value is only taking the average of a contract and using that, whereas payroll could be, let's say, like Mike Trout earns $20 million th- this year and um, 34 the next year. The average annual value of those, if it was just a two-year deal, is um, $27 million. Um, so what's happening is you're getting into the latter half of those contracts, especially the Mike Trout contract goes up to 34 in right. actual salary. Um, the Pujols one climbs as well. Yeah. Um, so I think those two are the big ones. So right now they're allotting in the mid-180s. So I assume they're not going to do anything else. I think they're done adding okay. salary. Um, and if they were to, I think they would have to trade um, CJ Crone to clear up some salary. Well, there you go. I think uh, Rahul explained it pretty astutely and that's mostly because i you know i'm not really sure so i'm just going to agree with him what he said sounded very very smart but at the same time i don't know that greg (laughs) holland is a a significant upgrade over what the angels already have i mean this is he may not even really fit into that philosophy that we were talking about earlier though either you know exactly um he's throwing what like low 90s now Greg Holland was throwing upper 90s with the Royals, um, and then he had Tommy John surgery, right? Tommy John, which my will TJ. totally mess you up. Um, I think Greg Holland is a reliable reliever, um, but he's not 
he's not the standout guy that you want to sign to a long-term deal when he's 32, 33 years old. And that's, ultimately, that's the type of contract that he's looking for. Right. And I think the Angels are in a position where they want to build long-term assets as opposed to uh, playing it safe. Makes sense to me. I think uh, that's plenty of reason why you want to pass on the guy. Um, I don't know. Especially if no one else is offering a bunch of money right now either, then let's uh, let's let everyone... Let's let's stay away from that one while everyone else can fight over that. When they get into the matter of chasing guys that no one else wants, then ooh, don't like it. Reminds me of Josh Hamilton. All right, here's uh here's uh Aaron the Less at Aaron the Less. Aaron Capulet. Um and it looks like he does have a picture of John Leguizamo from Romeo and Juliet as a profile picture, so the username checks out. What are the cons of a six-man rotation considering how injury-prone this squad is? The cons. Well, I think a six-man would help out injury-prone rotation, right? So is he is he saying that... That's it, the pros, right? Um, but the cons is that you would have to be one... Either you would have to carry one less reliever or you would have to have one less bench player. Mm, okay. So the cons is that you need to have a super utility type of player in order to compensate for the other roster spot that is in, now in the rotation. That's the cons. You know. Also, you might have unhappy players. Um, right now, the Angels have, what, eight, nine prospective starting pitchers? They got a lot of mouths to feed. You got Otani, Richards, Shoemaker, Tropiano, Heaney. Yeah. Skaggs, Skaggs, Bridwell, J.C. Ramirez, right? That's eight. Yeah, you Darvish. Ha, just kidding. But yeah, that's eight. So that's eight. So even if you carry a six-man rotation, you got two two guys that are either in AAA, Salt Lake, or they're in the bullpen, or something. But um, yeah, I think yeah, you're right on the money there. What's uh, here's a couple of them that I think you know we can. You know, uh, what are the chances, uh, let's see, oh, I'm sorry, at Cody R. Cooper, Cody Cooper, might be too late, but what are the chances of Angel signing Lance Lynn or Alex Cobb? Uh, that one, as, lo- as well as uh, at NM Baseball 52 do the Angels make any significant moves before the, before the season starts? Uh, both of those, I think, I think it falls under the Greg Holland thing. I think, uh, mm-hmm. I think looking at where, how much money they... I think- Got on the books. NM Baseball defines significant as an an MLB deal for someone who is known. Right, someone who is known, which makes it even less likely that... Yeah, I I think it's possible that they could pick up, like, a fourth outfielder just to get some stability in case of injury. Um, But maybe, like, Gerard Dyson, I don't think so. Um, But maybe someone more like... John Jay or Rajai Davis or Ben Revere or Cameron Mabin, um, just depending how the rest of the offseason plays out and, and who's affordable, I think. Yeah, you know, you, uh, if anyone wants to check out something along the lines or uh, you know something in this subject, Rahul posted an article about a week ago or so. It's, uh, it was titled, the remaining off-season wish list for the Angels, and you did mention another fourth outfielder with some of those guys, uh, as well as another solid reliever. 
I think uh, you threw out names like Addison Reed. He got signed that day. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. And he Greg Holland was the other one someone mentioned here, too. But then, you know, we've seen, you know, mm-hmm. you probably looked at the at the numbers more. And, oh, starting picture, Alex Cobb and Lance Lynn, there's those names again. So that answers that thing, too. We're probably done, here's unfortunately. A, here's a question for you on, like, related to that. Do you think that the Angels will sign a starting pitcher? Uh, yeah, they're gonna get a signing. They're gonna get a starting pitcher. I think. I think they're gonna get a uh, some Triple A depth. You know, some guy that's gonna be down in Triple A for lots of the year. Like they're gonna do. There's got to be some other Brooks Pounders styles signing out there. Some guy we're gonna see after, you know, four or five pitchers have to have Tommy John surgery this season. Jeez. So a name significant, like the one guy had a caveat on, no, but a pitcher, sure. Do you think it'll be an MLB deal? Because obviously they have to shore up their AAA roster still. They got a lot of turnover, I think. But. Yeah, I think you're. they're looking at a, you're going to see just minor league deals. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's fair. I mean, yeah. they had one, uh, I think there was another minor league deal recently. I would probably agree with that. Well, I don't know. I don't know how far deep we are in this thing, but that's about it for the good Twitter questions. We're uh, Let's see if we can wrap this up with one more. What's you got? Let me see. Find a good one. Find a good one. Rahul's looking for a question on Twitter. 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 Yeah. Rahul's looking for a question on Twitter. Twitter. Twitter, yeah. I was going to find a good one. Here's a fun one. Uh, ETA for some of the organization's top prospects. Uh, All of the good ones, you're not going to see any of the fun ones that we like talking about a lot until at least 2020, I think. Yeah. I think... uh, Like Otani aside? Oh, yeah. um, yeah, True. Otani (laughs) aside, you know, Joe Adele, 21... 2021 at least. Jemai Jones. Jemai Jones, 2020, maybe at the earliest. Yeah, something, 20, somewhere around something there. Something like that. Yeah. I think all the fun, all the good ones that are like, getting in write-ups. Like the ones that people are starting to get ex- excited about. Yeah. Like Brandon Marsh and Chris Rodriguez and Kevin Maiton. They're yeah. definitely still in the very early stages of development. Joe Adele as well. Um, got a lot of kinks to iron out. Yeah, so. it's yeah. That's the that's the short answer to the question, but I think it's sufficient because you know everything, all the prospects that are farther along in their development. Um, actually, I think the probably the most exciting one that we'll see the soonest, I would say, would be Michael Hermosillo. That's going to be a cool one. We could see him maybe at the end of this year, I sometime th- this year. I think he'll be ready around mid-season. Okay, there you go. He's a he. He already did. Uh, he did pretty well at AAA last year. That's right. So just get him some more regular reps, and if there's an injury, then he'll get a shot. Yeah. So that's. I mean, so basically, all the cool ones that we like uh, writing about endlessly and tweeting back and forth and stuff. All you know, like he mentioned, Brandon Marsh, Jamai Jones, Jordan Adele. Um, you know, that's going to be 20, 2020, 2021. Uh, you know, 2020 is probably very optimistic on those. Uh, maybe Taylor Blake Ward, if you're, if 
a Jeff Mathis clone excites you, you might see him in the next like two years or something, like maybe by 2020 as well. But, you know, Taylor Ward or yeah, Taylor, <laughs> Taylor Ward. <laughs> Most people don't know, it, but Taylor Blake Ward and Taylor Ward are the same person. They just don't like to, he just doesn't like to announce it a lot. He always, I've seen him interview himself. It's true. But uh, yeah, if, look, if, if you're looking for ETAs on prospects, the, you know, there's no one really mind blowing or anyone to write home about that's coming in the next season or two. I think Matt, Matt Tice and Taylor Ward could be interesting, but they're not the type of, they're probably not the top prospects that this uh, user has in mind. You know, Yeah. They were drafted at marquee spots, but don't expect a marquee prospect output from them, but we could see them like maybe next year, 2019, that'd be cool. But yeah, so hopefully, you know, the future is bright for the angels. There's lots of cool guys. The bees are going to be a badass team to watch this year. So will, uh, the inland empire team and yeah, 66ers, 66ers are going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. And, uh, especially, uh, especially Burlington Griffin canning is going to pitch. We haven't seen him pitch. That's yet. right. We haven't seen him. The Angels second round pick from 2017, Griffin Canning. Yeah. And we're going to see, you know, we only got to see a glimpse in Pioneer League and a little bit in uh, Arizona of Brandon Marsh. We're going to see a lot more Brandon Marsh. Brandon Marsh was shredding last year in in Orem. Mm -hmm. And I think he did get, is he in Burlington now or is he still in Orem? I think um, he tore up Orem last year, but I think he'll start at Burlington. Okay. I think, yeah, that's what I was, was assuming. But, you know, if Jemai Jones hadn't done so well, then we might be talking about seeing Joe Adele, Jemai Jones, and Brandon Marsh all in the same team. <laughs> <laughs> all the outfield prospects, give them to me now. On the same field at the same time. <laughs> all of them. All right. Well, that's all we have. You know, it's been a treat coming to you live, not live from Altadena, California. Don't ask. Uh, this is the inaugural Halos Heaven podcast. It was a fun. We had a good one, Rahul. I think we, I think we did good work here that we can really hang our hat on and be proud of. I think so. All right, cool. That's uh, Rahul Seti, aka Nightcrawler, aka Seti Wap. I'm Josh Mayhood. We'll see you later. Bye. That's the Halos Heaven show. This has been a presentation of Halos Heaven Radio. Stay mystical.